Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this episode finds you well. I hope you all are having a wonderful holiday season. It's good to be back. I apologize for not having my episode last week. I was under the weather. Um, I had a little bug come up and I was worried that I might not have my voice because I lost my voice for a little bit, but thankfully I am okay. And we're back with an episode today. Um, We're going to have an episode this week and next week. And then I'm going to take a little pause. I'm going to put a little gap in the season during Christmas and New Year's. But uh, when we come back from New Year's, uh, that Thursday, that first Thursday of the New Year, we'll get back started with Thursday Thoughts. So just a couple weeks break. Um. But we'll still be on this same theme talking about culture and how we as Christians fit into this culture today and what is our role, what do we do. Um, if you remember, kind of what we've talked about is that we, the point is we kind of don't fit. Our, our place in the culture is to be different. Our place in culture is to um, show Christ, right? We've talked about all kinds of different topics about culture up until this point. Uh I guess two weeks ago, not last week because we didn't have an episode, but two weeks ago in particular, we talked about the culture of our homes, our individual cultures, and how we as Christians need to make sure that we have a culture that is cultivating Christ in our lives and that our faith is coming home with us because it's important that we have, that our homes tell a story and that our homes tell the story of how we are we have families that <clears throat> excuse me that love God and that worship him and follow him anyway so with all that said that brings us to today's episode topic today's topic is we're going to be talking about cultures in our the culture in our churches the culture in our churches you know most people who listen to this i would assume um go to church, go to a church. I don't know where, but obviously I'm a minister at a church, and so some people who listen to this may be members of the church that I attend and work at, and others may be people who I used to go to church with and they listen to it. But bottom line is, is I, I would assume most folks who are listening to this podcast go to church. Um, and if you don't, well, maybe this can be an insightful podcast to you to kind of get an idea on church culture and understand a little bit more about it. Um, so, with all that being said, let's get started. When I think about church culture, um, I think about I think about home first off. I'm from Alabama, um, and I can't help but think about how. The Bible Belt is kind of what the Southeast is known as. The Bible Belt is very much a culture, and inside that culture, even today with the way the world is kind of going, still back home in the South, Jesus' church and faith is still very much embedded into culture and the way of life in the South. And so when I think of church culture, I I can't help but think about back home because the idea is for the church to influence the culture around it, so which means you know the church is supposed to be that city set on a hill that can't be hidden um so i I can't help but think at home a little bit, but in particular what i what I'm meaning is is when I think about individual church culture, I remember 
as as great as I believe the church is, and I know the church is great, and the church does wonderful things, um, there's still some improvement that we can have. There's a lot of improvement that we can have, and even in the Bible Belt, I guess is what I'm getting at. Even back home in the South, what we call the Bible Belt, I believe churches can be better. I believe we can be better. I believe we can challenge ourselves to be better. Uh, something there's a there's a saying. I may have said it before on one of these earlier episodes. If I haven't, you may have heard something like this before. But I've always heard quotes from people in church, or um, uh, regardless of where you hear it from. But uh, I feel like uh, some of us have heard this quote before, and it's it says. Twenty percent of the people do a hundred percent of the work, and honestly, these days I feel like it may be less. But that's a that's a saying that I've heard in church growing up that twenty percent of the people do a hundred percent of the work, and I actually find that to be true in most churches I look at, in most churches I go to, and that I think is a bad thing. Well, I don't think I know that's a bad thing. That is a bad thing. If if only a small handful of people are doing everything, is that really a healthy church? So that's that's kind of the question I'm raising today is I'm asking, excuse me, specifically talking about the, the cultures in our churches, what do our churches look like? Do our churches look like one where every member of the body, the picture that Paul paints in 1 Corinthians 12, where all the different parts of the body are working together? Are all of our parts functioning the way they're supposed to? Or are they malfunctioning and the church is either crippled or almost dead because not all parts of the body are working? Because let's, let's, let's use this illustration. Right in Paul, uh, or in Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about, right, the different parts of the body and how the church is, you know, not, is, is one body made of many members. And so let's think of our human body, right? If, if something starts going wrong in our body, our body gets sick, it gets crippled, we can't do as much, and it kind of slows us down and we're not as productive as we can be, right? The same thing happens to the church. Whenever all parts of the church are not working and are not active, it slows down the, the work and it, the productivity. And so, and sometimes when things in our body start malfunctioning like maybe your heart or your brain or a, ma- a major artery or something you know those things can be fatal it can lead to death and so again similar things happen in church you know there's a reason Paul compares the church to the body because if we if if certain parts of the body don't work if some parts of the church aren't working eventually that church will die just like a body will die if its parts aren't working and so when i think about church culture <clears throat> I think we've gotten comfortable and I think we've gotten complacent because we live in America. I mean, I, or at least um, at least I do and the churches that I've always been affiliated with are here in the States besides on the, the few mission trips I've been on. But I can't help but think that we've just gotten complacent and that we're not as busy as we used to be in our, and we're not actively working as much as we used to, or maybe never. I don't know. And but my, my, I guess what I'm getting at is, to me, when I look at churches across the United States, I feel like we have a culture problem in our churches. Not about, And it's not even about like the fact that we're allowing sinful, worldly things into the church. I just think it is that 
we've we have a culture in our churches these days of lukewarmness, of laziness, of not really doing anything, of just, you know, well, I'll come punch my ticket on Sunday and then I'm good. But that's not that's not what the church is supposed to do. Right? And so I can't help but we're talking about church culture. I can't help but think about Revelation in the first few chapters of the of the book of Revelation. Whenever Jesus, you know, gives his his message, his letter almost to all the churches, to the seven churches in Asia Minor, um, <clears throat> and I'm sure all of us have heard a sermon or something like this, or at least heard the question before, based on Revelation two and three, where we see, or we've heard the question. It's like you know, if Jesus wrote a letter to the church today, what would it be, right? You know, because the, the churches in Revelation all got a letter about me, things they could do better or things they were doing good, but maybe they could work on this, right? That's what Jesus told them. And so what would Jesus' message be to the church today? You know, for me, I, I work at the Canyon View Church of Christ. So what would Jesus' message be at the Canyon to the Canyon View Church of Christ? What would Jesus' message be to fill in the blank of whatever church you attend to? What would Jesus' message be to your church and I think if we ask ourselves that question honestly, I think we can pinpoint, you know, maybe we can pinpoint things we do well, because Jesus points out some things that some of the churches do well, but we can also probably pinpoint things that we need to do better at, and that we need to do better at, or we're in jeopardy. And so uh, I just picked out three of them that we're going to read uh, for time's sake, and they're, they may be out of order, but there's a reason in the order in which I'm doing it, so uh, bear with me. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out before my father, and be, or excuse me, out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father. And before his angels, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So right here, the message to Sardis, Jesus just comes straight out and kind of, you know, we would we would say this today is a, is a call-out moment, but Jesus kind of comes out and calls them out. He says, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And so to me, what that sounds like is you have the reputation of being a good church. You have the reputation of looking like you're doing the part. But really, you're spiritually dead. So it's almost like going through the motions. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves, as a church, are we just going through the motions? Or are we genuinely meaning the things we're singing, meaning the things we're listening to? Are we, meaning our, are we being intentional about our faith? So when I hear that, that's what I hear. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Because I think Jesus is talking about spiritual, because obviously physically they're alive. So he's talking about their spiritual life. And he's talking to a church. And so it's it's like, you know, we almost think these questions are like, well, why would anyone ever ask, you know, 
Why would we even question the church? The church is holy. The church is good. The church is, you know, church is sacred. Well, if Jesus himself was challenging the church and and asking the church, you know, hey, wake up, you know, you need to get, be spiritually alive. You're not doing that right now. Why why shouldn't we ask those questions today? And that's my point. So from this fir- from the church in Sardis, I think we can learn and maybe apply to maybe some churches out there today. You know, maybe they're maybe they're going through the motions. Maybe we maybe we have churches that are, you know, I say maybe. My thing is, I believe this is happening in the world. Like yes, in the United States, but everywhere where we have churches like the church in Sardis that look alive. And they look like they're doing the stuff, and they they look like they're they look the part, but they're really spiritually dead. There's no real, there's no real sustenance sustenance to it. There's no real faith. And because what does Jesus say? He said, you know, I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. And so it almost makes me think like they were doing things, they were working. Like you know, for us today, you know, it's like our church. You know, we have all kinds of. Uh, ministries, you know, we we bring bags to the schools, we bring bags to the homeless, we we go on mission trips, we support missions across the world. But it's almost like God cares more about an obedient heart, right? What's the in um in uh First Samuel, I believe is where it is. Um, whenever Saul, when Saul messes up, Samuel tells him. Basically that, you know, Samuel tells Saul that, you know, God gets more delight out of your obedience when you obey him rather than sacrifice. You know, he'd rather you be faithful than sacrifice because God had asked Saul not to do something and Saul went for, went ahead and did it. And so I think what that means is, you know, yeah, we can do all these cool things. We can do all these works and we can look the part. But if our heart's not actually in it, we're not truly obedient, then it's dead. Right. We hear James chapter two a lot, you know, faith without works is dead. And that's absolutely true. You know, if you say you believe, you better be able to prove it with your actions and your life. But the reverse is also true. You know, if I'm just working and doing things just out of habit, but I don't genuinely have faith, I think that is dead as well. I think it goes both ways. So Jesus says, Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. So Jesus tells them, remember what you heard and repent. You know, and if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief in the night. And so some, I think the message for some of our churches today in our church culture, because we have a culture that is not spiritually awake and they're just kind of going through the motions, maybe in some of our churches, I think the message for those churches is to wake up. As Jesus says to the church at Sardis, wake up. And so maybe some of our churches are like that. You know, maybe we're doing a lot, but we're spiritually dead. You know, we look like we're alive, but we're really dead. Um, another possible church culture uh, is one that we can read about in Revelation three, fourteen through twenty-two. And to the angel of the church, to the angel of the church in, in Laodicea, write the words of the uh, uh, Amen, the fruit, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Uh, I wish that you were either hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, uh, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves 
and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and slay and solve, uh, excuse me, to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so sometimes I think we have a culture in our churches of just lukewarmness. Lukewarmness. You know, what can you really do with lukewarm water? It doesn't really have a lot of uses, does it? And I think that's the point of the illustration. Lukewarm water is almost useless. There's no point in it. It's 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 not cold water. You don't really so you don't want to drink or use cold water to refresh yourself, but it's not hot water. You can't boil tea in it. You know, you can't use it to to clean stuff off cuz it's boiled. But it's lukewarm. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either old or hot cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and either hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. In some translations, it literally says vomit you out of my mouth. And so it's literally almost like this idea that Jesus is repulsed by lukewarmness. And in our in our church today, we have a culture of lukewarmness, I think. We have a culture of lukewarmness. Uh, I mean, let's just think of the past few years, like with the COVID stuff and everything, it, everyone, it seemed like everyone was fine. Just worshiping from home, uh, worshiping, quote unquote, in their living rooms, in their jammies, listening to the online service. And because that got so comfortable, we have people today who still don't want to actually get up and get to church and actually be with the body of Christ. And they just want to sit in their living rooms with their pajamas on and watch the screen and worship online. And I'm going to, and this is just me being maybe a little bit uh, bitter about it, but. A lot of people probably just say they're worshiping online, but then they don't. But it's because we get comfortable and, you know, we feel like, well, you know, if I say I believe, I'm good. But that's not how it works. That's lukewarmness. We need to be useful. I think that's the idea. As a church, we need to be useful. We need to either be hot or we need to be cold. That's the idea. And as a church, and in some of our church cultures across the United States, across the world right now, we need to make sure that we don't have this attitude of being lukewarm and that we don't have a lukewarm mindset. Because uh, what Jesus says, apparently some people say, you know, they've prospered. I don't need anything. I'm rich. I got everything I need. But Jesus says, in reality, you're wretched, poor, blind, and naked. And sometimes I think we get that way because we get comfortable with the things of the world. As a church, you know, uh, we we get comfortable and you know we're like ah well we'll do the same old things god takes care of us we have a collection plate we have money we we do the things that we we do but in reality that's not enough god wants us to work hard and to be useful and not just go and fill a pew um sitting going to church on sunday and wednesday is not a ministry i think that's important for me to say it's not a ministry. A ministry is doing something that's actually active. You're, you, are, you are supposed, you are commanded to go to church. I don't know if we realize that or not, but that is a command to go to church. It is a command to not forsake the body. 
and be a part of the body of Christ. And so that's not a ministry. A ministry is something that you go out of your way for. A ministry is something that is giving back to God through your actions and is bringing him glory and is showing people his love. And so, you know, we saw that we don't need to be dead. And so similar to that, to similar to the church in Sardis, the church in Laodicea, we don't need to be lukewarm. We don't need to be useless. You know, we don't need to be spiritually dead, but we also don't need to be, we need to be spiritually useful, not useless. And in our churches, you know, we, we need to be a church that is useful. Does God, so we talked about, does God look at our church, does God look at the church you go to and say that you're spiritually alive or dead? Does God look at the church you're going to and does he say, are you lukewarm or are you hot or cold? Are you doing something? The last, the last church we're going to look at is in Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 it says, to the angel of the Lord, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the, wor the works of the Diocletians, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. So here in Revelation chapter 2, the church in Ephesus, we see Jesus commends them, right? The church in Ephesus, right, they're doing some things, right? They cannot bear those who are, who are evil. And I would say that's true of church culture today. At least I hope so. At least from the churches I've been a part of, I see that most of the time the church cannot bear with sin and cannot bear with people, and that's good, right? You cannot bear with those who are evil. You can test those who are false and pr prove them to be false. And so that's good. And you and we when we haven't grown weary in doing that, right? We 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 know that much. And so I'll, I sh I I saved this one for last because I think the church in Ephesus is a lot like the culture of the church today. Like we know the right things and we know what the right things to we know what the right things are to do. We can we can easily point out sin and we can say, you know, that's not true, that's false, and we can reject false teachings and things like that. But I have this against you, Jesus says, but you have abandoned the love you had at first. And I think this is where most of the churches today are. Because I feel like I see it in the local congregation I'm with now, and I feel like I see it with past congregations that I've that I've been with. And it's not that and it's not that individuals aren't feeling this way and individuals aren't loving God truly, but I think as a church, as a whole, because we're the body of Christ. And what does Paul say? If one member suffers, we all suffer. If one member rejoices, we all rejoice. And so we're all a team. We're all connected. And so we all need to be on the same page and doing the same things. I think churches today have abandoned their first love. When you think about first love, you know, 
that first love feeling is, you know, incredible. You know, your first real love, your first true love. And in reality, I think, you know, obviously, I think it has to do with <clears throat> commitment and genuine just raw emotion. You know, the first time that you said you loved someone or the first time you thought you loved someone or something, that first love feeling, you usually, you do anything for it. You know, you do anything for that person. You you would, you would, you know, go across the road and back three times or to, to grab stuff from the store, go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, that first love feeling is kind of, it's almost like a reckless love. It's like a, um, it is, it's something special when I think of first love. It's really strong. And so the church, you know, the first love, and so when I think of first love, I think about when you first become a Christian. Usually when you first become a Christian, you know, right whenever I got baptized and I became a new Christian, I was like super pumped up, spiritually pumped up, you know, with that first love feeling, and I was just on fire for God. You know, I was reading my Bible, I was praying, I was doing all kinds of great stuff, but then slowly I started to kind of trickle away, and that first love feeling left me. And so I think that's the idea that Jesus is getting across here to us, is that we need to remember our first love and come back to the love we had at first. It's like when you first, like when a relationship's just starting out, you know, usually it's all sunshine and rainbows, it's very flowery, you know, it's, you're all about it. That's what it's supposed to be like, I think. Um, that's what our love for Christ, that's what our faith is supposed to be like, that's what our churches are supposed to look like. So on fire for God that, People can't help but notice it. That first love feeling, the love you had at first. We need to fall back in love with Christ. Our churches do. Truly fall back in love with Jesus. Fall back in love with the gospel. And I know that's a weird thing to say because, well, we were talking about church and people go to church to worship God. Yeah, they love God. And I'm not saying people don't. And I'm not saying our churches don't love God. But I'm talking about truly that first love feeling where you're just on fire for God and you're just spontaneously doing things for Christ because that's what God calls us to. That's what we are called to do. We don't need to abandon the love we had at first. And so the thing, the challenge, I think, for the church today is we do a lot of things right, just like the church in Ephesus. You know, Jesus, I think, will commend the things we do well, but have we abandoned the love we had at first? Are we truly so in love with Jesus that he's everything to us? Or are we just going through the motions? Are we a spiritually dead church like Sardis? Are we lukewarm like Laodicea? And these churches probably repented, and so they probably got back in the right standing. But the thing is, is that all of us need a checkup every now and then, right? You go to the doctor to get a checkup. You, you go get your teeth cleaned every few months because you don't want to get cavities and you need a checkup. Uh, the church needs a checkup every now and then. And so if we're not asking ourselves these questions, no one else is going to do it for us. We need to check up on ourselves and hold each other accountable and realize that if our church culture isn't very strong and it, isn't, it doesn't have that first love feeling and it's not all about Christ, why would we expect members and Christians to go home and do that too? We need to make sure we have an individual culture and a church culture that honors God, that is spiritually alive, that is hot or cold, a useful type of water, and that has not abandoned the love that we have at first. Like that, 
when you're first saved kind of love, that true love feeling, that agape type love for Christ. That is what Jesus calls us to. That is what the culture of the church should be. And so the question for today is, what kind of church culture is the church that you go to? What kind of, what kind of culture does your church have? Is it a spiritually alive or a spiritually dead church? Is it a lukewarm church or is it hot or cold? Is it a useful church? Do you have a church that's still madly in love with Christ? Or do you go to a church where you feel like you're starting to drift away from your first love, which is Christ? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. We have to hold each other accountable. We have to fight against sin and against the powers that try to take us away. And this world and this culture today, the worldly culture, is going to be constantly against God and trying to pull us away. And so we need to just remind ourselves that we're the only ones who are going to be able to hold us accountable and to keep us going in the right direction. And so we need to ask these questions and we need to be hard on ourselves in our church cultures. We need to have a church that has a culture of true service, of true love, of true serve, of true first love feeling to the world, a church that's in service to the community around it. That's the kind of church that Jesus wants. That's the kind of church that Jesus died for. That's the kind of church that we're called to be. And so, what kind of church do you go to? Are you going to a church that is spiritually alive or spiritually dead? What is the culture of our church? And if we need to change something, how are we going to do it? Thank you guys for tuning in.